Welcome to the River of Life Church podcast, your home for weekly messages that will equip you in your spiritual growth. Thank you from everyone here at ROLC and enjoy the sermon. Did you know that there is a difference between praise and thanksgiving? They're not the same. Praise proclaims who God is. Thanksgiving proclaims what he's done. Did you hear that? Praise proclaims who God is. God is great. God is awesome. He's wonderful. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Proclaims, praise proclaiming who God is, whereas our thanksgiving proclaims what he has done. That's why in Psalm 100, David wrote, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with what? Praise. Praise and thanksgiving are connected, but they serve two different functions. So that's why today I want to talk and teach and speak about thanksgiving, which I've titled this teaching, this two-week series, The Supernatural Power of Thanksgiving. Did you know there is supernatural power attached when you give thanks to God? A lot of people don't realize that. They just think, well, Praise God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. The Lord is good. We teach our children, you know, prayers. Thank you, God, for all the ways you show your love to me. How many remember learning that as a kid? For home and food and loving friends and all our family. All my girls, they learned that. And then almost at the table, it became poetic. Thank you, God, for all the ways you show your love to me. For home and food and loving friends and all our family. In Jesus' name, and they would all shout, Amen. But Thanksgiving needs to be understood not just from a dialogue perspective, but a heart perspective. And even with our mind, understanding what Thanksgiving really is. Do you know that there is a divine blessing attached when we give our Thanksgiving? Something happens. That's why I've titled this series, The Supernatural Power of Thanksgiving. Something happens supernaturally in the spirit realm and with God responding to that realm when we give thanks. That's why the devil is on the initiative of promoting ingratitude. Look at the world we live in right now. There's never enough. Never enough. Give me more. Give me more. But when we're giving thanks, understanding the impact that begins first in our lives. And then as we mature with this understanding and practicing thanksgiving, the impact it can have in the lives of others. So what exactly does it mean to give thanks? Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, look at it with me. Turn in your Bibles, and I purposely use my Bible every week to show you all that your pastor reads his Bible too. So bring your Bibles to church. It's a good thing to do unless you're using the devices as well. That is another option. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything, everybody say everything. In everything, do what? Give thanks. I've put it in bold and in all caps. Give thanks. Why? For this is the will of God. It's God's will to give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, it sounds like an oxymoron. You give thanks, but as you're giving thanks, it's a benefit for you. 
When God gives benefits, no one can match them. Did you know that the word thanksgiving or to give thanks comes from the Greek word eucharisteo? It's the same word eucharist comes from. Holy communion. The observance of when the Lord had the last supper. They broke bread. They had a meal. And then the Lord, they observed the Passover, which was also at this point in time of history prophetic for what Jesus was about to do on the cross. Remember when he broke the bread, he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And then he lifted up the cup, and the scripture says, this is the new covenant in my blood. And then he finalized by saying, as often as you eat this bread, Eucharisteo, communion, eat this bread or drink this cup, you proclaim, it's a testimony, my death until I return. Now, that means when we observe communion, we do it once a month here at the river. When we observe communion, we're actually giving thanks for the cross, but then there is a supernatural blessing even attached to Holy Communion. There have been many as they take communion have experienced healing, been set free from addictions. There is a divine supernatural blessing attached to communion, and that same blessing is attached when we give thanks. And we're going to look more in depth at that, but we need to understand it's more than just words. Thank you. It's more than just saying, thank you, Lord. It's beyond our words, which serves as a key to unlock the heavens so that the blessings that we need and the blessings that the others may need can be released in us and through us. That's a powerful concept. I'm so glad it's true because it's the Word of God. Amen? So by observing communion, we are giving thanks, displaying gratitude, and what? Acknowledging our praise to God. All of that is an act of worship. So when you say, thank you, Lord, that's also an act of worship. The Greek word for worship is gnesko. It means to know intimately. It means to kiss. Some words used for that are also proskuneo, which is a derivative from gnosko. And when we worship, we're actually giving God our embrace. How many of you, from someone dear and close to your heart, when they hug you, they embrace you, kiss you on the cheek, wives and husbands, when your spouse, you know, when they embrace you, share their love for you, how many of you feel blessed? There is an embrace spiritually when we worship, when we say thank you. In fact, proskuneo also means to kiss. So we can understand and we can see what's involved and understand why a supernatural blessing from heaven is released, God's power, when we give thanks. But if we don't understand, then we don't see the importance of it. Even in our day-to-day -day interactions, those of you who are in corporate America, when you finish with someone, maybe you had a meeting, after the meeting, say, thank you for your time. It's an expression of gratitude. It's not only polite, but it works. Congeniality, likability is very important for success in life. We call it in the Christian realm, the favor of God. So if we do the right things, it's going to invoke the favor of God. Doesn't the scripture say whatever we set our hands to do, it will fail. 
No, it will prosper. Just wanted to make sure everybody was with me. So thanksgiving is a powerful dynamic. There isn't, there isn't always times in our life where in that moment we can think of anything in that moment at that time to say thank you for. Because sometimes life is filled with challenges. Jesus said it. He said in this world you'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So there are seasons, times when it's difficult. But we're still commanded to do what? Give thanks. Why? Because there is a supernatural blessing, power attached to it when we give thanks. I'm going to prove it in Scripture in a moment. But I just want to keep pounding that nail in deeper so that we understand what I'm about to bring to you in portion can change your life, bring you to a whole different level in your walk with God, and also teach you and prepare you how to deal with adversity. Adversity cannot be ignored. It cannot be escaped. Sometimes if we create adversity because of a bad decision, well, we learn not to make those decisions again, we can lessen the adversity, but all in all, you're not going to escape it entirely. Here are a few examples of thanksgiving. Praying a blessing before you eat. Now, why do we thank God for our food, pray a blessing? Scripture says, you know, whatever we put into our body, what we eat is sanctified through prayer, right? So we sanctify through prayer and reading of Scripture what we eat. When Paul was on different missionary journeys, and I have many friends, missionaries that we support here at the river, they have been in various places that are remote on the face of this earth, and they have had foods offered to them that they knew, I better pray and quote Scripture over about what is about to enter my body. And God's faithful to that. He's faithful to that. But why do we do that? Do we do it just to uh, just make sure we're safe? Or is there a greater purpose? When we thank the Lord, our family, all of my children grew up. We were in a restaurant. We said our blessing. We joined hands. At home around the dinner table, we would say the blessing, join hands, thanking God for the food. When we pray a blessing before we eat over our food, we're thanking Him that He provided it. When you imagine the world population and those, even children, in various places on this earth, going to sleep night after night with their bellies empty. You know, when we have the provision of food, not taking it for granted, say, Lord, thank you. Whether it's McDonald's, or whether it's a nice meal in your home. God has made it possible for our bellies to be filled that day, that night. Give Him credit. Attending a worship service like we're doing right now. This is a demonstration of thanksgiving. As we sing the songs, as we hear the teaching of God's Word, all of this is a demonstration of thanking God for what? Our salvation. It says in Hebrews, don't forsake the assembling together of the saints as some are in the habit of doing. So church attendance was a problem in the early church days. The devil always wants to grab and snatch our time. I heard it said, you've probably heard me say this before, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Too busy 
to say thank you, to join together and remember the foundation of our very salvation. When you look at the giving of tithes, you know, we would have nothing financially to give if God didn't give to us first. Isn't that true of our salvation as well? We love him, our response, because he first loved us. Reciprocity, it's God giving to us and we giving in return. When we honor God with our first fruits, our tithes, this is something people like to ignore, but it's there. And honestly, when we run from that, we're really showing we have a lack of faith there. Say, well, it's not a lack of faith, it's a lack of money. There was a preacher back in the 70s, before I was saved, he was a false preacher. His name was Reverend Ike. How many remember that name? Reverend Ike, Google it when you get home. But I remember we were sitting around, it was during my uh, music industry, my rock music days, and I was sitting around with all my bandmates, and they were flipping through the channel, and there was old Reverend Ike. And all of a sudden, we just saw him shouting, and he finally said, you know, the love of money is not the root of all evil. It's the lack of money. We just sat there. We laughed. Then we switched the channel. There was Pat Robertson, man of God, right? I would laugh. But then when God touched me, saved me, and my bandmates, then the Lord said to me once, who's laughing now? And I said, the joy of the Lord, Father, is my strength. So when we give back to God, that which he gave to us, not all of it, but a portion, that's an act of worship. That's us saying, being grateful, thankful. Lord, I'm giving back to you because you first gave to me. How about, how about when we praise God during difficult moments, difficult seasons of our life, when we give thanks, when we're still there, we're saying, Lord, thank you that you're with me. I thank you. You've promised never to leave me nor forsake me. We're acknowledging and placing control even when it's filled with uncertainty that God is with us. Thanksgiving during hardship. What about when we take and we read the Word of God? What we're really saying is we're thanking Him for the promise of His Word. When in this world there's abandonment, there's betrayal, people forsake us, God never forsakes the righteous. And when we spend time reading His Word, that reminds us of God's promises. And it's an act of worship, it's an act of thanksgiving, and then when we find ourselves unexpectedly on our end, but God has already prepared for it for us. And it's a challenging time. We're reminded that the Word of God is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. People change their minds. How many of you are still people you were close with maybe 20, 30 years ago? Is there still some of the individuals you thought that relationship would never come to an end? Now, I'm, I'm speaking without death being a factor. And now it's like you're estranged, not from all, but some. And, and you think to yourself, where are they? It's wonderful to know that we do not have to be, and God will never separate himself from us. He is a friend, Scripture says, who's closer than a brother. I've got to tell you, I'm close with my brother, especially my middle brother. And Jesus says, I'll be even closer than that. That is a blessing that will last not only in this life, but that's what's going to carry us through into eternity. Amen? How about prayer? Why do you pray? Because prayer is part of worship. Prayer is giving thanks, declaring, you know, what God has done. But prayer also acknowledges 
Lord, you are the source of all that I need from my first to my final breath until I go to be with you. It's an acknowledgement of thanksgiving and worship before God. Forgiving others, that's one that I think we've all had to address and we've struggled with at times. People who have betrayed, hurt us, misrepresented us, and, and then God challenges our hearts, you know, you got to make that right. Well, I don't think they're interested. Well, God says, leave that up to me. When we forgive others, even when they don't deserve it, that solidifies and takes and build an even deeper, builds an even deeper foundation in our hearts and minds and our spirit of God's redemption and forgiveness for us. Sooner or later, we're born needing forgiveness, but sooner or later, we will make some decisions in life, hopefully not bad decisions that are smaller in repercussion, but sometimes there are bigger decisions that carry a greater consequence. And that's when, because we have extended grace to others, forgiveness to others, not because we're building up a line of credit, but because it's right before God. He was the only one that really wouldn't have had to choose to forgive because there was no sin in his life. Remember when the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, and they said she should be stoned, and Jesus' response to them was, let you without sin cast the first stone. They all knew they had skeletons in their closets. They all knew what they had done. The only one who could have really cast the first stone would have been Jesus himself but he didn't. When we forgive, we're choosing to do what Jesus did and does. And that causes that aspect of forgiveness to become even greater in its roots in our hearts and minds and our lives. As well as, again, forgiving others is an act of worship. We're saying, Lord, I forgive because you forgave me. Thank you for my salvation. We're living out, we're demonstrating what Scripture says. Then when you take and you look at the aspect of helping others in need, like we're going to do tomorrow. Jesus, as Cindy mentioned in her welcome, you know, I was hungry, you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. The disciples said, Lord, when were you ever hungry? When were you ever thirsty? And, and, and when were you ever unclothed? And he said, when you've done it to the least, you've done it for me. Life become, can become so busysome that we'll find ourselves not having time to do what Jesus did. And when we take and reach out and give help to others in need, we're showing our gratitude to God. Because what we've received, we give away. If we've never received it, how can, how can we give it? I remember once I was sharing Christ, I, I, when I first got saved, I was telling Cindy this the other day, several of our friends that got saved during that era, we're all in ministry now. We would go down into Baltimore City. There was a mission there called the Helping Up Mission, helping men and women get back up and, and move forward. So here we are, we're greener than green. And each week when we would go on a Friday night, because we weren't out clubbing anymore, right? I wasn't playing the music in those places. I couldn't dishonor God with my gifts like that. So we started preaching on Friday nights. But before we would preach, we would go out onto the street. Right by this mission was the Baltimore Block. How many are familiar 
with the Baltimore block, right? You know, that's when ships would come into port. It was like the 42nd Street of old in New York City. So there you have all these drug dealers, you have all these prostitutes, people that need Jesus. So we would go witnessing and then invite, invite them in for the service. So I went out to one guy, he was, he was so inebriated that he began to preach to me. And he was saying some good stuff. Finally, I said to him, well, I still think you need to come in. I said, because you're saying all the right words, but your life isn't reflecting it. And God wants to help you get your life together. So what you speak agrees with your lifestyle, and God can help you with that. So he came in. So it's more than just having a head knowledge when it comes to forgiveness, having our lives turned around and changed. It's about what we've received we begin to live out. Whatever you put into your spirit, your soul, your mind, it's going to reveal itself through your life. I had an old preacher. He was a missionary in India. I heard him speak several times. Hobart Grazier. He was also one of our Assemblies of God uh, professors in our universities. And he had really stood true and, and steadfast for the Lord. And the man's heart was always so broken before God in a good way, in a good way, very tender. And he was sharing during one of his, his uh, sessions at our church. He was saying, someone had asked him, Hobart, why do you cry like you do? And he says, well, because the more I remove what's me out of my life, the more I can receive what's of God in my life. And that causes me to be forever grateful. And he says, so when you find yourself in a season of life where you're being squeezed. Don't run from it. Embrace it. In fact, he said this, and I've, I've, obviously I've never forgotten these words. He had an impact on my life. But he said to me, he said, Craig, what happens when you get a, a, you know, a plastic bottle of mustard and you squeeze it? I said, mustard comes out. What happens when you get a plastic bottle of ketchup and you squeeze it? Ketchup comes out. And then he said, well, when God squeezes us, we come out the part of us that needs to be removed so the Spirit of God can fill us even more. Amen? Amen? So when we learn to be thankful, when we learn the principles of thanksgiving, helping those in need, forgiving others, making time for prayer, all of these things, they are acts of gratitude. Look at the pilgrims. That's why we're celebrating in this nation Thanksgiving. When they came over from from Europe, and they made their way here to the, to the New World that very first winter because there was no one that went in advance to tell them how to prepare and what to expect. And so it was a challenging time. Many died. Many became sick. Finally, when they made it through to the other side, those who were still there, they said, we need to thank God for providing and preserving us. And that's when they gathered together and had this celebration. It was an act of gratitude. It was giving thanks. It was a, think of it this way, a worship meal. We have Thanksgiving one year at our home. All of our children and grandchildren will be with us. Then the off years, they're at their in-laws. This year is an on year. So we're going to have all of our nine grandchildren, all of our daughters, their husbands. We'll all be gathered together Cindy's mom, Cindy, myself, and even my mother will be picking her up on Tuesday, my 
plus mother who will be celebrating. So it's going to be a grand time. The tradition that I've always held, sometimes when my kids were hungrier than other times, they would say, oh, dad, when they were little. But we take first and we go around the room and we say what we're thankful for from the youngest to the oldest. Then when we're all done, I read a scripture. We sing and then I pray. Why? Because we're grateful. It's what it's about. It's not a, how many pies do you have here? Did you do the stuffing the way I like it? It's about, Lord, thank you. Over this past year, what has God done for you? Tell him. Say, thank you, Lord. That is an act of worship. But it's more than just doing the right thing. When we are grateful, again, the heavens open and super natural blessing is released. So when you take and you look at the pilgrims and even to our spiritual walk with God, thanksgiving is necessary. Thanksgiving is good. And thanksgiving opens the heavens. So when you look at the believers in our text I read a moment ago, in Thessalonians, again, in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You'll find when Paul wrote these words to them, the church of Thessalonica was facing continual opposition and persecution, even to the death. And if they expected to survive, Paul knew they needed to understand what I'm talking about today, thanksgiving. But not just thanksgiving, Paul knew there was supernatural power attached to our thanksgiving. Thanksgiving that can set a miracle in motion. Thanksgiving that has the ability to change and for the church of Thessalonica, their situation. But that's also applicable to us. Your thanksgiving can begin to change and transform your circumstances as well as your life. And so when you look at the situation, how does Paul begin? He says the first three words, in all things. In all things. Now that's significant. Because it shows there's a distinction, listen to me, there is a distinction between thanking God in a situation versus thanking God for a situation. What am I saying? If you're going through a cancer battle, don't thank God for the cancer. You'll never see that anywhere in the Word of God. You don't thank God for things the devil sends our way. You've got to understand, cancer's not your friend. When I had that bout, we stood in prayer against it. I didn't say, oh, Lord, thank you that this has happened to me. I said, thank you that my healing is waiting. Thank you that you are Jehovah Rophi, God our healer. Thank you you're going to kill this thing, and you're going to bring it to an end. And I've got to tell you, if you think the devil doesn't attack this preacher's mind, when we were in Israel, I had my follow-up with my uh, surgeon on the 2nd of October. I did it from my hotel room in Tel Aviv. And so there they came on, and, and before I, going there, the devil really hit me with fear not to go. Now, I've, I've learned over many years, if the devil says, don't go, I go. If he says, go, I don't go. I always do the opposite of what he says once I recognize who's talking. And so I had these thoughts that me, don't go. They're going to find trouble in your blood work. Then you're going to be halfway around the world. And then what are you going to do? And I said, in Jesus' name, I rebuke you, devil. 
you know, we all get hit. It's how we deal with it. They overcame the dragon, the enemy, by the blood of the Lamb and the Word. Everybody say the Word. I spoke the Word of God. And then I gave thanks. And Lord, by the way, thank you for a good report. Thank you. I give no place to the devil with fear, doubt, and unbelief. And sometimes it's a battle, but you know what? It works. The Word of... Where's the amen? There you go. We're a Pentecostal church the last time I read our, our Constitution and Bylaws. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. The word of God works. And you're not going to get by, you know, with mediocrity and partial commitment. We need to be all in. And thanksgiving is a part of it. And so when the doctor gave me my update, glory to God. Still standing. Still standing. In fact, the doctor said to me, Pastor, one day you're going to die, but not from this. And I said, well, I might not, because he's a Christian doctor. I might not, doctor, because I think the return of Jesus is even closer than ever. And I'm in Israel right now, so maybe I'll make my way over to the Mount of Olives where Jesus ascended, and maybe I'll be caught, because that's, you know, when he appears, that would be a great takeoff spot, don't you think, church? The rapture excites me. I know it's closer than ever. I've never seen this world history, biblical fulfillment of prophecy like it is now. I'm telling you, the rapture is not a myth. It's not a fable. It's the promise of God. Thank the Lord. I don't want to go through the tribulation. Do you? Those of you watching in line, when this seven years of Jacob's trouble, when it hammers this earth and the Antichrist is revealed, do you want to be here? Then take heed to this preacher's words today. Praise the Lord. Every situation, Paul says, in all things give thanks, not for all things. Don't thank him if you're having financial issues. Don't thank him for the addiction you're wrestling with. Don't thank the Lord for mental illness or a tragic death. When we lost our daughter, I thanked God in the midst of it that he would be our strength. And he was. He brought us through. Every day I miss her. Every day my wife, my daughters, our family, we long for her. But one day, one day we'll see her again. Not yet because God has more for this preacher to do. But one day. So I don't say, Lord, thank you the day she was hit by that dump truck in that inclement weather. Thank you for what she had to go through when she lost. Who in their right mind would be grateful for that? And God doesn't want us to thank him for that either. You thank him, whatever we need in the darkest times of our lives. He's there. He's our strength. He's our healer. He's our deliverer. He's our protector. He is an ever-present help in times of trouble. Come on now. Somebody shout hallelujah. Giving thanks not for, but in the midst of the situation. Paul touches on this in Romans 8.28. One of my favorite verses, I've stood on it many times. Paul says to the church in Rome, he says, All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. All things. Now, if something good happens, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to acknowledge that good is going to come from this. But what this verse is really applicable to is when you're in the thick of it. And Paul says, all things work together, even the situation that you're in the midst of. And that's why Paul said to the church of Thessalonica, in all things give thanks. 
So even when it's tough, when you're going through one of those all things that you wish never came around the corner and confronted you, you begin to know God has promised this in the end will work for good because you love God, because you're called according to his purpose. Amen. Giving thanks when life is hard. It's difficult. I get it. I'm human. I'm flesh and blood. It was even hard for Jesus. He was fully God, but he was fully man. Scripture says he was tempted in all ways like us, yet without sin. So just don't please, no one respond to this. Well, what has been the most difficult temptation that you have ever faced? Jesus faced it. Just like you, in all ways, he was tempted like you, yet without sin. He overcame so we could overcome. Does that make sense? So again, giving thanks when life is hard, it's difficult. It's also an act of faith. Because you give thanks before your breakthrough's there. Now, you heard me say earlier, well, I thought Thanksgiving was declaring and giving God praise for what he's done. It's his history. It is. But it's also something that sets in motion so that history of breakthrough can become part of your thanksgiving when you give thanks by faith before the answer to prayer comes. And in order to do that, it's imperative to understand, it's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. Look at the life of Job. He was a righteous man, said there was none more righteous than Job over all of the face of the earth, right? So he was deeply devout, deeply devout to Almighty God. And then without warning, isn't that how it happens? In fact, let me tell you, the devil will never warn you when, when you're about to face something of a large scale. It will blindside you. Why'd you tell me that, Pastor? You just made my day. I told you that because if fear hammers you that this calamity is going to happen, that calamity, the devil will never warn you regarding what will happen. It comes unexpectedly. And so here, Job, unexpectedly, without warning, he was hit with a barrage of attacks. He lost his sons, his health, his wealth, and even the respect of those around him. The religious, the glory be to me people, they accused him of having sin in his life. And they did that because they knew Job's reputation. And when Job got hammered, when he found himself dealing with what he was dealing with, it caused these others to fear. If it can happen to Job, it can happen to us. So they needed a reason to understand why it happened to Job. It wasn't about how to pray for him. It was about how they could see then, well, I'm still exempt because there's some secret sin in the life of Job. That's why he's going through this. Sometimes, yes, there are the laws of reciprocity. You reap what you sow, good or bad. But sometimes it's just simply called spiritual warfare. Sometimes you're just in the battle. It's called life. Jesus went through it too, all the way to the cross. So here you have Job. Everything is crumbling down around him. Then his wife says, now here Job, once a very wealthy man, now he's poor, he's lost everything. His wife says to him, just curse God and die. I think she was just really looking for her next husband. He had no money anymore, so all right, just would you please die and get out of the way so I can find somebody that's going to continue to provide for the lifestyle we once had together. Selfishness. Job, everything was collapsing on all sides. Yet Scripture says in the midst of his situation, Job sacrificed and gave God what he didn't have. He gave God thanks. 
the flesh, the world, people around him. What do you have to be thankful for? You've lost it all, everything. And yet Job still said, Lord, he said words because God would never kill us. But it showed his surrender. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Loving the Lord. What do you think brought his turnaround? What do you think changed his negative to a positive? He thanked God. I mean, it wasn't like somebody holds the door. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a great day. You too. It was like in the midst of calamity. Lord, I trust you. That's what thanksgiving does. It reveals our heart, but it reveals that we trust the Lord. And that is what brought the supernatural power of thanksgiving, the blessing that proceeds from that to Job. He was restored fully with a double portion. Amen. Look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. The writer says, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks in his name or to his name. The fruit of our lips, that means our voice. That means verbalize. That's why we sing. Do you know when you come to worship during this worship segment of the service, or at least the music praise segment, you are using the fruit of your lips, whether you can sing on key or not. God doesn't care. That's why he also said, make a joyful noise. I've sat next to a few people who make a wonderful, joyful noise. And then I've sat by others who then can harmonize and hit every note and the notes in between the notes. But both are just as precious to the Lord. We're giving the fruit of our lips. God wants our giving of thanks. Amen? God's power is released when you give thanks. Why? Because it places control in God's hands. Now God always determines, you know, his future, his plans, his purposes. But we can get sidetracked. Or we can even render promises for our lives that God is ready to release. We can make them null and void if we don't obey. Doing what God says is not there to imprison us, but not only to set us free, but to keep us free. That's why you give thanks. That's why coming to a service, man, praise God. You know, when I uh, drive, when I'm working in my office, and I'll hear Cindy doing the same at times in her office, I'm so grateful her office is right next to mine, rather than some corporate headquarters somewhere. But I, I just start talking to the Lord. You know what it says to pray without ceasing? It just means be conversational. It's like an attitude of prayer is a good way to put it. Sometimes I'll be driving, I just start talking about the game. You know, what do you mean talking about the game? I'll say, Lord, when will the Giants get a turnaround? <laughs> and I heard, and I heard, it's like in my heart I can see him chuckling. I'm, I'm just messing with him because he's my friend. You know, I just don't go to him for, you know, the big things. I just enjoy conversation. It's as if I could see him chuckling and saying and responding, Lord, uh, Craig, there are much bigger things that I'm tending to. You know, we'll let the giants take care of themselves. I went, okay. Conversational. Just thanking them. Lord, what a beautiful... How many of you have seen the sunsets and you just say, Lord, what a beautiful sunset? Tell him he made it. 
Gratitude, thanksgiving. You see, when we're making conversation with the Lord, just we're building friendship, just like my wife and I. We talk about everything. We usually come here in separate cars to the church because then if she has to run different errands, you know, she can have the freedom to do that. So when she goes out, all of a sudden my phone will ring. I'll say, hey, haven't seen you in a while. And we talk. Then she hangs up. Then when we drive home, we call each other as soon as we pull out of the parking lot of the church. And just for a five-mile drive, we're talking back and forth. Why? Because we love each other. We enjoy conversation. I don't get tired of it. I honestly don't. And the same way should be with the Lord. Just be conversational. I mean, well, I was just with you. Why did you have to call me? You know, would you want to hear that from the Lord? You just make conversation because of friendship. I mean, think about that. You know, you prayed a little bit earlier, and then, Lord, oh, by the way, what do you bother me for? We just spoke. I got a lot on my calendar now. Thank God we never hear that. He wants us just to enjoy conversation, friendship. It's called relationship. Amen? That's what Thanksgiving is. And when we place through Thanksgiving control in God's hands, you know what happens? Everything changes. That's when, if you go to a doctor appointment, uh, sir, miss, I'm seeing something positive here. Things are changing. You know, sometimes people think miracles also always have to be instantaneous. Sometimes miracles are progressive, and that's biblical. What about the lepers that Jesus healed? As they went their way, they were made whole. Sometimes it's over. I, I was doing a crusade years ago when I first started in ministry. I was with several other pastors. We were in the Canary Islands, Spain. And, there, and, and the first night of the meeting in this big plaza could hold in excess of 1,000 people. There was only seven people there. And then our team, of course. So nothing happened. It was deader than a doornail, right? Then the missionary we were working with, an anointed man of God, he said, we need to pray for signs and wonders, or this is the way it's going to be the rest of our stay. So that night, we prayed, and then he said, we're going to fast till tomorrow and into the meeting just for, a God, for God to move with an outpouring of signs and wonders. Well, the next night, we didn't have seven. We had eight. But one of them was a little seven-year-old boy who was born crippled. His name was Francisco. I looked at him. I loved him. I just saw a precious child. And when I see the needs of children especially, my heart goes out to them with so much life ahead of them. You want them to have any obstacles removed that can be removed so that they can enjoy the best. So everyone's there. We did the same song, singing in Spanish. And, and then the missionary, he flew it in Spanish. He preached. Then when the altars came up, that little boy came forward. And the minister, the missionary asked him, what do you want Jesus to do for you? He goes, I want to run and play like other little boys. So this missionary laid hands on him, began to pray. And all of our team gathered around. I was standing in the back just keeping a watch, just make, because making sure everything was, was good, was proper, safe. And all of a sudden I heard all this shouting, Gloria a Dios, Gloria a Dios, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Gloria a Dios, Glory to God. 
Then, all of a sudden, from the midst of that crowd, this little boy came out running. He had, like Forrest Gump, he had the corrective shoes, corrective braces. He had a cane on each arm. He could not walk on his own. They would have to hold him, and he would hop. And all of a sudden, I see this little boy without his canes. He comes right, and he ran around the entire plaza. I just began to weep. I said, oh, God, there's none like you. There's none like you. There's none like you. Then he ran back to where we were. He sat down. And then I said, what's he doing? He took off his shoes. He pulled his little socks down. I make me think of Benny. And, and all of a sudden, he got back up and began to run, and he was shouting, hallelujah, gloria Jesus, gloria Jesus. And, and just the next night, we had our meeting. There was standing room only, well over 1,000-plus people. And God continued to move with signs and wonders. Thanksgiving, praying, believing, thanking God. And we prayed and thanked God for signs and wonders before that next night even transpired. And guess what? God showed up. There is supernatural power attached to our thanksgiving. Amen? When God is in control, it opens the door for Him to be the Savior. Everybody's looking for a Savior. They're turning to all these alternatives. It may work for a while, but then you're right back where you once started, probably only a little deeper in despair now, because another thing didn't work. Do you know our thanksgiving empowers God to work on our behalf, as well as even on behalf of others? Now look at John chapter 11, verse 41 through 44. Remember when Lazarus had died, the brother of Mary and Martha? They summoned Jesus, but he shows up four days too late, at least from their perspective. He had died, and then four days later, there's Jesus. One was angry with Jesus, stayed in her room in the house. The other was angry with Jesus. One shunned Jesus, and then the other gave him a backdoor tongue lashing. Martha began to say, if you had been here, he would have never died. In other words, it's your fault, Jesus. It's your fault. Sometimes you got to put everybody else's words, all their narratives, you just got to put it out of your mind and remember God's narrative. Amen? Especially when it comes to Thanksgiving. You ever have people ask you, are you angry with God? Why would God do this to you? Every good and perfect thing comes down from the Father of lights in whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. James 1.17. What I speak, I've memorized, I've learned, I've eaten the scrolls. And so here you have now that background, and Jesus shows up. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, Lazarus. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you. He didn't rebuke death. Before anything transpired, he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing, who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face, his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him 
and let him go. Right there, before a miracle was set in motion, the blessing, the practice of worship, thanksgiving, Lord, I thank you. Jesus exercised that. And that is what opened the heavens for death to lose its grip off of that body in that tomb so that he could come out of that grave, Lazarus, resurrected, and life filling his entire being again. You see, supernatural power is connected to your thanksgiving. And when Jesus said thank you, that's when resurrection power was released. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead because he gave thanks. Do you know thanksgiving brings increase? We see this in John 6, 11. And Jesus took the loaves and the bread. I talked about this last week. The miracle of multiplication. The little boy, he had just finished the Sermon on the Mount. Then Jesus said they need to be fed. And then the disciples responded, well, we don't have enough with us. It's too late for us to get into the market and bring food back. Plus, there's not enough money, you know, in our account to purchase this much quantity. But there is a little boy. That's what Andrew said. And the little boy, they brought him to Jesus. Jesus said, bring him to me. And with a few loaves and fishes, look at what Jesus prayed before what was necessary to feed the people was provided. John 6, 11. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had, there it is, what? Everybody say it. Given thanks. When he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. Shows us again the supernatural power of thanksgiving. When Jesus gave thanks, he was acknowledging God the Father as his provision, not the little boy. If he went with a small portion of the boy, nothing would have happened. But he acknowledged, giving thanks acknowledges who is your source. Praise God. And this is what set in motion the miracle of multiplication. That's why if you refuse to give thanks, any of us, if you refuse to give thanks, you hold back your blessing. You hold back your breakthrough. And you hold back your miracle. And it's not just a one-time giving of thanks. It's a lifestyle. We understand there is no other way. Yes, we work hard. We do what we can do. And God does work through human means. Thank God for medical doctors. Thank God for people who are versed and trained in legal matters and in accounting matters with finance. But at the end of the day, it's all about Jesus. And He directs our steps to the right people. Or He bypasses people and does it all on His own. But in the end, it's all Him. Amen? Jesus understood this principle of thanksgiving. The apostles understood this principle. And God wants you and me to understand this principle as well. We all have something to be thankful for. God has done something over this past year. No matter how small or how big, we all have something to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. That's why Thanksgiving is a choice. We either choose to say, thank you, Lord, or we just say, I'll keep it to myself. From the world's perspective, that would be like a wasted investment. But because of God's grace, He keeps nudging and encouraging us. Give thanks so you can enjoy, encounter, experience the abundance I have reserved 
am waiting for you. I believe there's a lot of unnecessary tribulation at times, not all the time, but at times we walk through because we have chosen not to give thanks. Develop this principle of faith in your life. And as we prepare our hearts for this upcoming season, I want to encourage everyone here to be grateful, to give thanks. You know what I found when it comes to Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving focuses on what you've gained. In spite of the losses you may have encountered. Thanksgiving focuses on what you've gained rather than on what you've lost. And that's why you give thanks. There are some things we're all waiting on. Sometimes we pray and God always answers. But sometimes His answer may not be what we've desired. But in hindsight, as we continue honoring Him, serving Him, loving Him, then what we didn't understand in the moment will make sense down the road. God is faithful. Wednesday night, we're having that Thanksgiving Eve service, just one hour. No preaching, just music, so you can thank God with your fruit of your lips singing, on key or off. And then we're going to have a couple mics where people can just say what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful. I've got testimonies to share. I'm so grateful. I love the Lord. Everybody look towards heaven. Just tell them, say, Lord, I love you. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. That's all I have. I think God gave us a lot today. Amen. Just stand up and give him praise. Just stand up and just begin to bless and praise him with your voice. Clap your hands. Just everyone, just say, Lord, we thank you. Come on, everyone. Not one mouth silent. Not one hand left to unclapping. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. You're so wonderful. We give you glory. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to the River of Life Church podcast. Subscribe and rate us right now on iTunes to be first to get access to new audio messages every week. Visit rolcdoylestown.org or like us on Facebook to always stay up to date on what's going on at ROLC. If you would like to support this ministry, visit the online giving page at our website. Join us next time for more from River of Life Church.